Hey guys, John and Keen here, telling you start your morning off right with a hot cup of Dirty Duck Coffee. Go to DirtyDuckCoffee.com, peruse the website, load up the cart, use code TexasOutdoors, all one word, at checkout. Get 15% off of your order. That's DirtyDuckCoffee.com. If you're looking for some pretty cool apparel, check out FoulFollower.com and use code BTO for a 15% discount off your first order. Yes, that's BTO as in Big Texas Outdoors. Check them out today. Welcome to the Big Texas Outdoors podcast all things outdoors so gear up and get ready let's go so tell me about i heard that you got to shoot your first turkey with your dad did you get to shoot your first turkey with your dad yeah so how many turkeys did you see Two. Two. There you go. Okay. So your dad was calling. And see, I've got to hunt with your dad too. So your dad, he called him in for you? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? They came to the decoy. They came to the decoy? Did they try to fight the decoy? Mm-hmm. Did you let them fight the decoy? No. You did? Not, okay. Not long. Okay. Not long. <laughs> so... Did your dad tell you to get ready? You got to get ready, get on them? Yeah. And then what happened? Then we shot him. You shot who? We did or you did? I did. You did. That's what I heard. See, I heard you were a pretty good shot. With a 410 at that. Oh, man, that's, that's impressive. That's what I'm talking about, dude. So, so how excited were you? I was super excited. Was your heart racing? Mm-hmm. Just beating out of your chest. Did you get turkey fever? Were you shaking? Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> and so did your mom get to see it too? She was there with you, right? Yeah. That's cool. She videoed it actually. She videoed it. Man, how cool was that? Your first turkey on video. So was that the first big hunt that you've ever been on like that? The first thing you've ever got to shoot? Yeah. Okay. What? What about your alligator? <gasps> oh, you shot an alligator? Mm-hmm. That was I was here. You might not remember that because your adrenaline was going so crazy, but I was here. I have pictures of you with your alligator. How big was that alligator? You remember? Yeah. It was pretty big. Seven eleven. Seven eleven. So tell me a quick story about that. So your dad grabbed the string. He's pulling it in. Then what? And then I tried. You, you shot him. Mm-hmm. Where'd you aim? At the back of his head. The back of his head. That's what I'm talking about. Your daddy taught you well. (laughs) So this year, you're going to come duck hunt with me and your dad, and we're going to bring your dog, Whiskey, right? She's a chocolate lab, and she's going to be a pretty good dog. I've seen a lot of duck dogs work, and she's doing really, really good. You excited to see Whiskey pick up some ducks? Yeah. Me too. Me too. Well, thank you for telling your story. Thank you. (laughs) Good job, Chase. Hey, buddy. Good deal. Good job, buddy. Next time you shoot something, we'll have you on again. 
You can tell us a story then, too. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. He's got a little javelina story, too. Oh, let's hear that. You shot a javelina, too? I don't even think I've shot a javelina. Remember that? Do you? I do. What yeah. happened? We um, went there, and the, um, we um, sat there, and the um, feeder went off, and yeah. the javelinas came. And how many was there? I forgot. There's a bunch. There were there were seven or eight. So then what happened? Then, did you did you stick the gun out the window? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You shot it all by yourself? Yeah. So here's the next question I'm gonna ask you, and I already know the answer to this. Did you get to eat any of it? Yeah. Because I know somebody who made some <laughs> javelina jerky. It's actually not bad. Did you get to eat some of that javelina jerky? Yeah. That stuff was pretty good. Now, what'd you shoot that javelina with? Tell him. Uh, Just a little 22 rifle. 22 rifle. That's what oh, I'm man. talking about. It's all about shot placement. <laughs> it, it is, and it, it was it was close. But okay. <laughs> well, there you go. You must be quite the shot. Well, I got to eat some of your javelina. I don't know if you know that, but your dad brought a bag of it up here because we were duck hunting, and he he gave me a piece of that javelina jerky and completely changed my mind. I didn't really know that javelina was that good. And it's, I know. It's pretty good. Everybody says that it's bad, but it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. So I got to eat some of Chase Petty's javelina. <laughs> All right. Well, Chase, thank you, you good, for coming boy. out. Thank you for telling your story, your hunting story. That's pretty cool. I can't wait to hunt with you this duck season. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Welcome back to the show. That was just Mr. Chase Petty talking about his first turkey uh, this past spring with his dad, who is our guest tonight, Mr. Joe Petty. Joe, thanks for coming out and joining us. Thank you for having me. So, so Joe, I guess my first question is going to be, as a dad, how hard did that pull on your heartstrings? Because I will tell you as a friend... I'm very proud to watch how you've raised your son. And I will tell you, if more people raise kids like your son, this world will be a better place. I'll put it this way. I got it for a lot of people. I've never felt that much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> that was an adrenaline rush. <laughs> to get sure. his first birds. Yeah. It, it was It was truly an experience. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, obviously I'd seen the video before I heard his story, before I heard his perspective. And so I knew... I knew what was going on, but to hear him tell it from his perspective and his little eyes with his little fingers pulling the trigger, yep. that's a pretty magical deal. It really was. He he was quite excited. I don't yep. know. I think I was probably more excited than he was, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it was what every dad dreams of. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. every dad dreams of that. That's right. That is that is probably the highest that you'll be. I mean, and, and for a while and you know, and then with every oh, step, yeah. there's going to be different things that, that make you more proud, but absolutely. So, so I guess I will, I will kind of give Joe a brief introduction because, because Joe is one of Joe took me in as a younger guy. Um, when I wasn't much older than his son, Chase and Chase is six, right? I don't think we mm -hmm. noted that on, on when he yeah. did his pre-recording. So Joe and I lived in the same neighborhood. He was older than me. Um, no offense, but <laughs> so Joe would scoop me up and take me duck hunting when I was probably 
God, I don't know, what, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that? Not much more than yeah. that. So Joe had a couple of different leases. He always had had a few different places to hunt. And uh, I, I knew Joe. Joe knew my family. And so Joe would just scoop me up and take me duck hunting. And 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 there's no secret. I, I told Joe this multiple times that the reason that I think I'm such an avid outdoorsman, I blame Joe. And so if my wife ever has anybody to come square up with, Joe needs to be the first one because <laughs> – yeah, he her, created the her monster. Your mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know. I guess let's let's start by you know let's talk about kind of what got you into it because I will say that that you're a primary reason that I got started in doing this. Um, it was, I don't know if people know it, but my mom and dad they got divorced when I was I don't know six seven years old, mm-hmm. and I loved hunting and fishing. That was all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But it, I luckily had a gentleman that helped me and get me started in it. And all I ever wanted to do is just see the, I don't know, if you've never been through that, you can't yeah. understand it. Yeah. Um, all I ever wanted was my dad to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, 100%. And, or do what he wanted. Yeah. And, you know, luckily I had some people that, that's helped right. me through it. Yeah. And uh I don't know. I guess that's why we've gotten into the guidance part of it is I love seeing people that haven't done it, you know, succeed. And what's <laughs> what's crazier to me and and now as an adult, I mean I'm I'm almost 30 years old. At the time as a kid, I guess I never really realized why this dude that I know is grabbing me up and taking me duck hunting. I mean, I had to drive past my house and yes, we knew each other. But, you know, our situations were very similar. My parents split up when I was a little kid. I mean, you know, kids go through things, and I don't know that I was – I don't know which direction I was going to go into, but I know that you introducing me and forcing me into situations where we were hunting and fishing and things like that created such a passion for that that it kept me out of a lot of trouble. I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, it might have got me in some trouble too. But at the end of the day – when everybody in high school was worried about partying and staying up to the break of dawn, mm-hmm. I was shutting it down just a little bit earlier because I was waking up at daylight to go chase something. Oh, yeah. And I like to think that that did keep me out of a little bit of trouble. We definitely chased a lot of ducks yeah. anyway. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Early. <laughs> so, you know, so you, you basically, you started over on the opposite side of the Sabine River, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're from Louisiana, right, originally? Yes, North Louisiana. Okay. So, you know, what was the first thing that really got you? What 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 animal? What game? Cha- you know, were you chasing that really got cut your teeth in? Uh, deer. Okay. Whitetails. Okay. Uh, I had a buddy that helped me. Was a friend of my mom's, and we were very fortunate. We had quite a bit of land, or my mom did, and so I was. I never had to worry about leases or any of that. And he got me into deer hunting first. And then my, I guess my later in the years, brother-in-law got me into duck hunting. And once I, as bad as I hate to say it, we killed nothing but ringnecks the first day we hunted. <laughs> hey, it, 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 it hooked me, and once it hooked me, it was, it was over. Yeah, that was it. Well, ironically... Yeah. 
I think that's about 97% of the ducks that I killed with you when I Probably was a 99. kid. Yeah, 99. <laughs> but damn it, when they come in there and start flipping around and doing all that crazy stuff. We killed a lot of them on that We piece. did. We did. Um, and some big wood ducks, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was just because I was a little kid, but I remember standing in the timber shooting wood ducks thinking, I've never seen a wood duck the size of a cab wall. And it, it was a unique – where we hunted, it was actually – a little bit of flooded timber. I say flooded timber, flooded tallets. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't f- timber. Uh, but you had a pipeline to hunt. So you literally, I mean, like from here to the, <laughs> when they came in, they were yeah. there. I remember you standing in there slapping your leg in the timber, kicking the water. I did that. I mean, because it was so tight. These birds, there's no decoys. You yeah. know, you're literally, they're going off a of sound and water motion. Um, but. That that was definitely one one a very cool memory that I, I remember as a kid. So, so so Joe has a few things on his his resume that I want to start checking off. So the first thing Joe's a Joe's a waterfowl guide. Yes. Joe actually got me into guiding duck hunts, and so I've been doing it now for God. I think this is my fourth year or fifth year. So a few years. I believe. Long four, story short, four. I don't know. And so Joe's been doing it for a lot longer than me. So, you know. I've told my perspective on being a duck guide and, and I know you've listened to some of the episodes and do's and don'ts. And, uh, but what are the, what are the, some of the things that you enjoy about being a waterfowl guide? I mean, we got at the same place. We deal with the same thing. It's, I guess more than anything, just the, the people that don't get to experience what we do and experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. That's, that's my thrill. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I guess we kind of take it for granted. Yeah, what we do, but 100%. it's I love seeing that first timer, or even if it's a sixty-year-old man, doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I love seeing that that you know thrill in their eyes. The what we used to have when we were yeah. <laughs> you know young, <laughs> and it definitely is a that to me is my. It's worth getting up you in know, the morning. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I will. We get a lot of laughs out here where we got at all the guys that we got together. We've, we've all become very, very close. And um, all these guys have kind of become, you know, more or less brothers to me. They've helped me out through some tough times. And, and we've all kind of, we've stuck close to each other. But to reiterate, when I say we get, a, we have a lot of laughs together, Joe was the first person that I called when I stepped on an alligator. <laughs> and so only because Tony was out of town. <laughs> so coincidentally, Joe and another guy were together when I called Joe. And the other guy is not here today. And I know he's gonna be pretty upset to not be able to defend himself because he's the one who would really dress this story up. Yeah. But he would <laughs> he would he would tell y'all that I FaceTimed him in a pink dress. <laughs> with a purse full of tampons screaming like a little girl i've never heard a grown man i'm not gonna say cry but i was distraught (laughs) so i want to give you your opportunity to tell your perspective of that story too i think that's something to to reiterate on what it was the lead guy whatever you want to call it uh he was out of town so i was taking over for the ranch and of course king calls me at it's like daylight. It's 10 minutes for shooting time. 
basically crying. <laughs> <laughs> Crying's a little, a little harsh. <laughs> no, it was not harsh. Uh, if the other guy was here, we could, we could. <laughs> I almost want to tell you to call him, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> well, anyway, it, um, he was, you know, I just got bit by an alligator and I'm like, you know, me and this other guy, we were, we were scouting and I was like, well, do I need to come get you? What's the, you know, what do I need to do? Oh no, it's no big deal. They just cut my waders and, you know, <laughs> grabbed me a little bit. And I'm like, I don't know how that happens with an alligator, but okay. <laughs> and, uh, long story short, it, it, it was really a, I was shocked to be honest, because you know, we've been out of here for years. We've never had any issues with alligators other than, you know, you don't want to run your dogs, obviously. Yeah. Well, especially this this late in the season. This is mid season. Right. Yeah, this was December, it, if I remember right, right? Actually it was, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, it was towards that it was mid mid duck season where it's cold enough to where they kind of slip your mind. And in my mind, when I'm hunting shallow water, obviously I've debunked this theory. But when I'm in sheet water, I'm not thinking about it. I think we actually named that pond Peanut Brittle. We did. Maybe. Yeah. So <laughs> so my nickname at the, here at the ranch is Peanut Butter. And so now they've named that pond Peanut Brittle. Because so. we thought you were pretty weak. For... <laughs> Once he I, came back and we saw the actual. <laughs> I had to take video evidence to let y'all know that this was not a three-foot alligator. And I, it well, was, it was a near not miss. a three-foot alligator. It was, it was definitely a mature alligator big enough that if he decided to hold on to my scrawny ass i'll put it this way if it would have been my situation i wouldn't have called anybody that alligator would have been we'd have taken care of that alligator well that's where i went wrong but none was in the in the marsh buggy lesson learned if you're listening to this never ever i don't care how comfortable you are with the situation never walk to and from the blind without a shotgun that's oh yeah for or, sure. or a gun in general 100 percent. yeah i mean you, if you're if you're hunting i hate hunting with a strap a gun i hate hunting with a strap on my shotgun and so well, i've got to take it off this, in the blind i know but see i'm the exact opposite thing. i've got to have a strap see I'll, but like, if i can, don't go anywhere without a gun yeah well, it got to see, where he's got the right idea yeah no, carry a gun everywhere no matter what if you're hunting you're supposed to have a gun anyways. I am guilty of jumping out of that blind with no shotgun, but I can promise you, if you grab my front chest pocket, you're going to find a nine millimeter. Because <laughs> I put it there just because I'm so bad about jumping out of the blind without a shotgun. I don't think a nine millimeter would have helped you that morning. I, I promise you it made me feel a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have it with you? Absolutely not. Or we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was quite the... And I, if I remember right, that was probably the first time that I was left in, quote, charge, yeah. whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. And your luck. Tony's out of town, and I'm, what do I do? All right. Yeah. Keen needs a leg amputation. Yeah. yeah. I'm knee. thinking he actually got bit. Yeah. But in reality, all it was was a little. It was a scratch. P- it was a scratch. It was a scratch. It turned into a very significant bruise. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know about that, but anyway, <laughs> I have photo evidence. It, um, it was definitely it's, it's funny because one of the the fresh picture that I have of that, I was showing this to somebody a few few weeks ago, 
And the, the picture that I have of that is my waiters pulled down and literally looks like somebody took a pocket knife and skint my shin, mm-hmm. you know, just barely skint my shin. And they were like, that's it. I was like, man, give me a little hey, bit hey, of credence here. You it, know? it was dark. It was <laughs> it scary. Was but about, I can imagine the scary part would have been, uh, it honestly was probably scary to King. Right. It, uh, I needed a new pair of underwear after that. I can, I, I can imagine guarantee. So. But here we are to talk about it. And so let's, let's move on. So in your opinion, how was this duck season? This duck season was really good, surprisingly. Uh, with the lack of water we had early, my expectations weren't that good. Um, or someone of them, I guess you'd say half-empty guys. I tend to be a realist. And I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we well, had a really good duck season. The um, the first thing I learned about guiding, mainly from you, and you never told me this, but this is your personality rubbing off on me. If you go into the situation and undersell it, like, hey, this is going to be, mm-hmm. I don't know, guys, it's going to be kind of mediocre. And you go in there and smash them, you look like a hero. Right. <laughs> but you, if you never, go there, never go in saying like, we're going to smash like, hell them. yeah, we are going <laughs> to fuck these guys up. That will be the. And then, like, you see three birds the whole morning. That'll be the Achilles like, hint. You do not do that. No. I don't care how good of a guide you are. You cannot control everything. No, you do that with, with life. Like, hey, how long is this going to take? Like, it's going to take a while. <laughs> yeah. 10 hours. You come out at six looking like a hero. Right. Like, oh man, like you finished four hours early. Yep. Like, but I've learned that with one of the places that we hunt on this ranch, we call it Sheriff's or whatever y'all want Petty's wanna, Paradise yeah, is what whatever we Whatever y'all want to call it. But <laughs> it. It's one of those places you, it generally starts off slow, but at the end of the morning, you got a pile of birds. Yeah. And... The one thing I learned a long time ago, it, it's it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that's one of those places that just, I know we got a guy that doesn't like that place. We do have a guy that doesn't uh, like fact, that I place. In fact, I think he was on one of y'all's He was on podcasts. a couple of these episodes. <laughs> Mr. John Breeden, if you're listening to this. <laughs> but You can it, give me Sheriff's or Petty's Paradise every time. <laughs> I'll take it all day long. Oh, 100%. I have no problem there. Um, I don't know what his malfunction is there, but we're gonna name him Sheetwater Sheila or something. Cause, <laughs> but I mean, he, he, I don't know. He he's a he's a reservoir nut. He is, he likes he likes he the big likes water. the big water. Yeah, um, which is great. Yeah, it's because I don't. <laughs> yeah, sheriff is can be hard to hunt. It can, I mean, it's all tidal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's sloppy mud, but. Yeah, the I'm bottom's like, really gotten bad since we've been, you know, introduced salt water to it. Yeah. Um, which, when I originally started hunting it, we, it was all fresh water. Yeah. Um, but I had some good hunts in there this year. Yeah. I've had a lot, I've had more good hunts than not in there. I'm a believer of that place. It's a pretty magical place. Um, but, I don't know, this, this year, like you said, was a year, a weird year there till the last minute we didn't think we were going to have enough water Mm-mm. you know and so it was good because a lot of us were able to run our dogs mm-hmm. you know and, and that was cool but if the after teal season was done and we're in that lapse between teal and big duck you're like damn if we don't get a little bit of rain well, like, or a lot of rain and i was probably one of the biggest negatives in the guy group uh 
But, you know, teal season was okay. It's the deal with here, if we don't have rice, we're we're going to – I'm not going to say we're going to struggle, but we'll – you know, it's usually second, third weekend before we really yeah, start kill getting them. Because yeah. um, where we're at, you know, it's one of the biggest freshwater marshes in the yeah. state for that matter. Um, but we've had some really good teal hunts. We had a lot of really good duck hunts this year. We really did. Sometimes I feel like we were hunting the same concentration of few thousand birds that you'd find here yeah. or there, but – we never blew them out, and it worked out. We had well, some... hunting it three days a week is is a big factor. Yeah. Um, nothing against some of the other guy companies, whatever. What that they, you know, they hunt every day. Yeah. And we at least give it some time to rest. For sure. And in that third day, being pretty, you know not running five, six groups in there. Mm -hmm. We're only running one or two at most, most of the times. And so a lot of land for those birds to go hide out on. But see, we can remember, or I can remember, uh, back in the day when we run day hunts, I mean, we'd run, you know, six, seven, eight, nine groups, whatever. Yeah. Um, going corporate was, it's good and it's bad. Um, the corporate deal is, Obviously, all the corporate groups think that they should be on the X, yeah. and that doesn't always happen. And it's yep. not by choice or anything. Right. It's, it's just luck of the draw. It is. Um, but like I say, when we were running day hunts, we kind of pushed the birds more. Mm -hmm. So there, and we ran airboats then. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Um, I kind of wish we would. Yeah. Um, I like running the airboats. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and from a client perspective, I feel like clients just get excited to ride in an airboat. They do. You know, a lot of people they don't do. get to ride in airboats. And we've got some pretty cool equipment. The Marshmasters are one of them. Oh, yeah. They look Absolutely. like a big, giant tank. But you take two or three trips in a slow Marshmaster, and you wish you had an airboat. <laughs> the deal with the airboat, I could slow. always, we could always, you know, after the hunt, Show them a good time, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, I'll well, just go on a ride, you know. Um, I mean, it's cool to just ride in one. I like the airboats. Yeah. It, it was definitely, uh, I wish we ran them more. Uh, we just don't have them anymore. Yeah. The Marshmasters are, they're a necessary tool. They, they're slow, <laughs> but they get you there and back. Right. right. So, well, we almost have to have them just to keep some sort of open water. You know, I mean, it's a Absolutely. necessity for us just to open up some water and just have something to hunt. I mean, this freshwater marsh over the summertime, all mm -hmm. that stuff spreads like wildfire. If you don't maintain it. And It'll grow up yep. big time, which they actually, I guess a couple of weeks ago, they did a lot of spraying, yep. uh, which should help us in the, you know, the fall. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to what this year is going to be. I'm excited. So, so you've got a dog. She actually got to make some hunts this year, mm -hmm. and she's going to be. I, I've, I've witnessed this, so I'll, I'll go ahead and speak for you. She's going to be a pretty phenomenal dog. Um, is that what you're probably most excited about this year? I am. But so you've got one on the way out, mm -hmm. and one on the way in. Cricket, my old dog. She's she spent all her time here. She's never known anything but yeah. Pipkin Ranch. Um, and she's she's a phenomenal dog. She really is. She's not the 
what I'd call the most handled dog. But if you shoot a duck, she's going to find it. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way she is. She's kind of the, she's kind of the one for me that kind of debunks the whole hybrid pedigree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's not important and I'm not saying that you could just go buy a dog off of Craigslist and it work. Yeah. Cricket is a phenomenal hunting dog. She is. And she you is. don't have to have all the titles and master hunt. She has no titles. None to of do that. What we do. Now my new puppy, I say puppy, she'll, she'll be two in October, I guess. Um, she's, She's got her started title and all that. And I really think she's going to be, she's going to be much better from the handling standpoint. Um, now, whether she'll be a cricket, I don't know if I'll be blessed enough to get another cricket. That's a, that's a hard thing to, I don't know if that's teachable, the hunt and the drive, it's like a dog like cricket mm-hmm. has. I don't know if that's something that any field trial training competition or training method can teach it's just the want to do it so yeah she's definitely got the you know of course she's getting up there in age i'm sure i'll hunt her this you know several times this year yeah but i'm looking i'm really excited about how whiskey's gonna turn out me too she she's i think she's got it it's We'll just have to see how it yeah. pans out. <laughs> well, hopefully we can get another couple hunts where we get an opportunity to run both of them at the same time and mm-hmm. we can trade off and all that other stuff. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, now, are you one of the 20-gauge, 28-gauge guys out oh, here? Oh, here we go. This is a good topic. <laughs> I am a 20-gauge guy. Okay. I rarely shoot a 12. <clears throat> um the only time I'll shoot a 12 is if I'm guiding deep water where I got to shoot divers at, you know, 50, 60 yards, cripples. I am a very, I don't shoot customer birds ever. Um, I will shoot cripples, but I know some of our guides like to shoot with the customers. I don't. Um, and okay. that's just me being old school, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I'm strictly a 20 gauge. I would love to get a 28. I think that would be the next level. Uh, the guys that we got that do shoot 28s, it's impressive at what they do <laughs> with yeah. a 28. Uh, speaking of two of them, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, what, yes, <clears throat> I would love a 28. What got you into hunting ducks with a 20 gauge? That's a good question. Um, what was the, the turning point going from 12 gauge? When, I guess when I really, you know, I got it in North Louisiana. I say got it. I was more of a grunt putting out decoys, stuff like that. I didn't do a lot of shooting. But when I got to Pipkin, it was, I don't know, I just didn't feel the need. And I hate to say it, but a 12 gauge just kicks. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I mean, I mean, it really does. It's there's really no noticeable difference in a twenty and a twelve, as far as performance, right? Okay. If you if you pattern your biggest things, patterning your guns. I mean, if your patterns 
two foot to the right. It doesn't matter what you're shooting. You can shoot a 10 gauge and it ain't going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that was the, you know, well, like my little boy earlier, you know, he, he killed a turkey at, with a 410. Yeah. It, the advancement in shells and guns nowadays is, me personally, I just don't see the need in a 12. A 20 is so, more comfortable to shoot. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not, I wasn't a believer. And then these guys all went in and bought me a, bought me a 20, mm -hmm. a Benelli M2, I think is what it is. And I never noticed a difference until this, this past year we went on a dove hunt and I was very limited on the amount of 20 gauge shells that I had. I think I had a box and I didn't know how this hunt was going to go. Is this going to be a like a big burner or whatever? And I'm incriminating myself by saying that I shot more than a box to kill my limit, but I did. And I went through that box of 20, and in my truck I threw my 12 gauge with an ammo can in the bed of the truck full of just random lead shot to go dove hunting. And once I burnt through that 20, I had to go to my – I needed like five or six more doves. I went to my truck to get my 12. I just seem to throw that thing down in the mud after shooting the 20 gauge. I'm like, man, mm -hmm. this is, it kicks. It just so, felt so clunky. Felt like it weighed 10 pounds more. Um, I'll put it this way to this day. And I had Breeden who was on y'all's before he went with, with me on a dove hunt this year in George West and he shot a 28 and he, man, shoot my 28, shoot my 28. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't gonna shoot your 28. Cause I don't want to, I don't need that expense. I don't need to buy another. Don't, don't want to get the edge. I've got more guns than I <laughs> yeah. know anyway. Last thing I need to do is be buying another gun. And Tony's same way. You know, shoot this, shoot this. And I haven't, but I really, I'd really like one. Yeah. So yeah, one of these days, I think I'll make the I'll make the purchase. I'm new to the twenty gauge, twenty gauge gang, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on the twenty eight for now. Um, right. But, uh, on that dove hunt, was that the first time you shooting that 20 gauge? Absolutely not. No, that's, that's, I guess what I, I need to reiterate. I got the gun late January. No, I got the gun in February. So duck season was over. It was in time somewhere in February to catch the tail end of snipe season. And so me and John made a few snipe hunts <laughs> with that tw 20. And so that's where I learned or started shooting it. Right. Started, and, started learning the gun. Yeah. How. And this is into that dove season, right? So I hadn't, I'd, I'd finished that little bit of hunting season off. So, so that, you had a little bit of time with it. But. Exactly. But I'd got, I'd had enough time with it to get used to a 20. And then I, then I started off dove season with the 20. And then I had to shoot the 12 gauge that one dove hunt. And all last season, I did not bring my, I did not put my 12 gauge in the truck. So I, I put know. the 12 gauge in the truck one time. Me, Tony, and Tommy, we went over to a goose beat or a yeah. grip pile. Yep. And to be honest, I could have shot him with a 14. Really? It, it was <laughs> just one that, it was that big cold front yeah. when it was, I don't know, super cold. 15 degrees. Oh, when it was, when it was, yeah, yeah. wind blowing. But it was blowing like 30 miles. 30. I remember the day. It was cold. Oh, yeah. And Which y'all ended up with a pretty successful trip. Oh yeah, out of that, we right? killed. 
I'm not sure what the numbers was, 20, 22. Yeah, that was right and, before Christmas. I oh, was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was down for the count that weekend, but uh, I worked all night that night that it blew in. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, less than ideal. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. I was supposed to take my little boy that morning, and he was excited, wanted to go, and we got up at, or I got up that morning. I was like, there is no mm, way. Yeah. I mean, because I walked outside and I was like, I don't even want to go. <laughs> yeah. it, it was yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, there's no way I'm taking a six year old or five year old at that time. Yeah, um, right. In he, this. He'd just be miserable it, it was, the whole time. It was, but to be honest, that was a really, really good hunt. And honestly, I could have shot him with four ten. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, both of them were <clears> shooting twenty eights, and I was shooting this big. 12, three and a half, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. man, yeah. See, being I mean, tough, whatever. Yeah. And, and that's what I've got. I've got probably, I've got like three 12 gauges and mm-hmm. I've got a youth 20 gauge. And that's it. So I hunt with a 12. I've hunted with a, I've hunted ducks with a 12 pretty much ever since I, you know, got my 12. And I have to, until I got into, once I realized that, you know, there's not a lot of difference in a 20 and a 12. What I really want to do is find a newer 16 gauge. Now, that would be cool. And do yeah, that. It's... I found a like an old 1950s humpback browning mm-hmm. 16 gauge. Does and Benelli make a new? Surely they do make a new 16 gauge. I don't know if they do. I know browning came back with the sweet 16. See, I can't shoot a humpback. Well, I've got an old that, that's sweet what I sixteen. On. That's that's what I learned on was really? like an old Belgian made uh, twelve gauge. Of course, I'd have to shoot something non toxic because yeah. steel shot wouldn't work. In right. There. See, yeah. but, and that's my thing. Like I've got two Belgian made humpbacks, and then I've got my my new A five. That's a twelve mm-hmm. gauge. So I've been I've been running that A five since since I got it. I'd love to get into the. 16 just to be able to that was one of my grandfather's guns yeah and i mean it's like mint condition it's awesome but there again i'd have to buy the you know high dollar <laughs> ammo to be yeah, able to shoot it is ridiculous oh, oh, yeah how is it for 20 gauge is it same it's, same as 12 it's it's no i typically shoot you know i shoot a specific brand uh and I know a lot of people shoot another brand, and that yeah. that's that's fine with them. But uh, the ammo I like is I don't know two hundred a case. The, the the issue with with it is it's just in general it's fine and it, do fine not again. wait till duck season to buy no 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 because no, you'll no. be in a situation like me, and I had to order a brand that I am not particularly a fan fan of, and it's a high-dollar brand, on, and a lot of people rave over it. On 20-gauge? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've got a case of it at the house. That, Man, I've got – I might have a few boxes of 20-gauge oh, steel. A few boxes ain't going to do me nothing. That ain't going to get me real far. I but mean, it'll get you started. I, I'm I'm grabbing it'll a get box you and a half, two boxes. Speaking of, my guys are the people that I order from and. The next two weeks, they should have. Okay. So, so I, need, I need to make an order of that yeah. stuff. I want to stockpile on it because I want to try something a little bit little bit different. So, um, Yeah, just ordering with him. But we've yeah. got guys that swear up and down by the well, other and, brand. And I mean, I don't think there's there's not a there's not a, 
we're not going to incriminate ourselves by by saying the names. I will no. will come out and say I am not personally a fan of boss ammunition. I, I know guys that absolutely swear by it and say it's the hardest hitting ammunition. Yada yada yada. See, I have I've, yet I've to prove it. I've heard the same. You know, like people either love it or hate it. I, I don't think, li- I don't like it. I think personally, I think people get wrapped up in a box full of shells and a canvas bag. I shoot, it, I'll be honest. I mean, I shoot Apex steel yeah. or S3 steel. And see, that's what I want to try and next year. See, in another For whatever thing. reason, in my gun, it patterns extremely well. The boss, I got a lot of cripples. Maybe it's me. Uh, it could it be ain't my just shoot because it's me too. <laughs> so, and it might be the way that I shoot or maybe the shell's slower. But I have had more cripples with that particular ammunition than I've had then, in my entire life. Actually, seeing uh, we had our little guide hunt down there in the, I guess that'd be the East Flat. Yep. Um, several of those shells literally blew in half. The yeah. shell was. No, 100%. Oh, the, yeah, the I forgot about that. Yeah. Split. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And another thing about caliber selection or gauge selection, whenever I got started into this, my dad, here. Here's all my old stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all 12 gauge. Mm-hmm. And so why not shoot a 12 gauge? And that's how most everybody was and, raised. And then, and then like every, like every payday I'd go and buy a couple boxes of shells. So mm-hmm. I've got so much 12 gauge still shot. I've got, I don't know, four or five cases of 12 and I never shoot it. I, I, <laughs> I bought just, <laughs> I bought a case like pre COVID, like Fiocchi. Still, it's like 130 bucks for a case. Uh, and hell, I haven't even cracked into that. Yeah, it's... And there's nothing against a 12 gauge. Hey, if that's what you want to shoot... That's right. We're right. all on the same yeah. team here. Right, right. So right. it doesn't If right. you're it content with shooting a 12 gauge and you don't want to spend money, do not pick up a 20 gauge and get comfortable with it because you will never, yeah, see, in my like, opinion, be able to go back to that 12 and have like a good my time. My thing is, I've got, I've got that humpback... I've got plenty of shells for it. I just, and I, I don't mind it. I mean, I know, I know I can shoot it. So yeah, and that's all it boils down to. Whatever you're confident in. Yep. Same with turkey. Same with deer. Same with anything. It right, doesn't right. really matter. Of course, like yeah. you know, caliber or gauge. Like it's you know, whatever you're comfortable with. You right. don't have to go. If you're with, comfortable, you're not as susceptible to wounding. I guess. Yeah. Um, but if you're not comfortable, don't. Don't try it. That's right. Right. You know, and we're all on the same team. So there's no, I'm not going to talk bad just because you shoot a 12 or you shoot a that's 20 right. or I shoot a whatever. Right. Right. That, right. that, that doesn't help. That's immaterial. That, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious of what, what the, uh, what the craze is for the, uh, the 20 gauge. I don't know if it's so much a craze. It, it's more a, how do I say this without being a, <laughs> My personal opinion is I mean, I get it's a lighter shotgun. It's a lighter shotgun. It's lighter recoiling. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if if you can still make the same shots that you could with a twelve with a lighter gun and a lighter recoil, I have gun, no doubt anybody can make the same shots with a twenty as they can with a twelve. I agree. Now that doesn't take into you know consideration your shooting abilities yours whatever well at the end of the day if you're not comfortable with a 20 and i handed you a 20 don't you would not perform as good with that 20 as you would with a 12 that you're accustomed to shooting all the time right but i don't know i think you 
you dabble in it. I will say invest in a 20-gauge one way or the other and, and try it out. I, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that you just didn't like it. Oh, no, no. I mean, I yeah. but Oh, he knows he's going to like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's your wife. you got to figure out if, he, if she's going to like it, you know. So Yeah, well, that that is definitely a big, big <laughs> yeah. part of it. Get her into it and like, hey, yeah, this is yours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll use it when you don't. <laughs> when you figure that out, let me know. Yeah, me too. Well, write that down for me so I can just present it to mine. Or, or the, it, it's for the kids. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's for go. the kids. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that that's, <laughs> I bought, what, uh, three or four guns now for Chase. <laughs> I think he only shoots one of them. Uh, he'll shoot them eventually. He's, he's got to grow into it. He, That's I mean, right. He's he's six. Come on, but, I, I get it. Yeah. But it's so so. I guess I, I'd like to. I'd like to. So we let's let's talk, we've talked about duck hunting. We've talked about twenty gauges. We've talked about we calibers have. and whatever else. I want to. I want to start. I want to kind of jump into turkey hunting. Okay. Um, for those of you that listened to the last episode, you heard. Joe Petty's name a couple of times. Um, so Joe obviously happens to be a friend of mine. Joe obviously happens to be a turkey hunting guide mm-hmm. um, who has guided dozens and dozens and dozens of turkey hunters uh, this year. I don't know how many, either way. He's, he, he guides a lot of turkey hunts. And so Joe put me on a bird a couple of weeks ago. Everything was a success. You guys heard that story. Um, but a question that, that I wanted to just dive into without picking apart every single one of his tactics uh, is you know for the average for the for the guy starting out turkey hunting if you were just if you if you were to go out and start turkey hunting what would you want what would you advise what would you give i guess the biggest thing is uh learn the cadence of a hen i don't care what you sound like we all sound different same with turkeys turkeys all sound different what kind of call are you using on turkeys as much as I hate to say it, I use a Primos True Double mouth call 99% of the time. At the it's end of the day, the does, it, does it matter? cheapest yeah. call you can get. Uh, it sounds... Now, keep in mind, I got Rios. I don't got, you know, Osceola's mm-hmm. Easterns, you know, Merriam's, any of that. Um, it sounds just like a Rio hen. Okay. And to me, it's all about rhythm. Same with ducks. It's, and the biggest thing with turkeys, it's all about location. You got to be where they want to go. Um, kind of like ducks. Right. Same, same thing. I don't do any, Keen's hunting with me. I don't do anything. I don't call like the quote national turkey <laughs> calling, yeah. whatever champions in the world right and you probably it, don't call like a mm-mm. world champion no i don't do any of duck that caller either absolutely not it's i sound like a hen so you got to be where they want to go right you yeah you have to also sound like them you know absolutely kind of blend in and your environment. it's to me it's more about cadence uh you know if you're a i know i'm gonna pick on Alabama boys or whatever, but <laughs> I get a lot of Alabama guys that come and hunt with us, and they're mm-hmm. yow, 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 mm-hmm. yow. they're real slow. Nothing against Alabama, but <laughs> they they just are. I didn't know all this. That's, that's hey, life's a little slower. Out it, there. it is what it is. <laughs> but 
Rios are very, you know, yow, 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 mm-hmm. and I can't do a mouth call, so y'all can't judge me on that. No, but, you're giving me the cadence. I mean, you're telling me everything <laughs> hey, I need look, to know. It, never even been turkey hunting, so. Yeah. They're, they're very, I don't know. It's a, and, and I get asked, I call for, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 people a year, and they always ask me, what are you saying? I was like, I don't know. It's you just pushing air through your diaphragm. Yeah, it's it's a uh, we're just where they want to go, and we're basically gonna intercept them. Yeah, and the biggest thing I can give you on turkey hunting is patience. No more than same thing with duck hunting. You know, it's everybody they see you know five hundred birds landing over. 400 yards away and they want to move and and i get that i I do but sometimes patience is a whole lot better than jumping them up and they just hauling ass well and i learned that you you got a very good yeah you know introduction to patience on this last time and we talked about it i I talked about it on the last episode but at, at the point where we set up and we started calling. You started calling, and nothing answered. Mm-hmm. Had I been by myself, I'd have packed my bags and gone on down Trust the road. Trust me, I was ready to go too. Yeah, it. I the deal with that spot. It's a unique place. We killed, I don't know, ten or twelve birds off this one roost over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. And when King came, I was like, I know where they're at. I got a camera on it. They're here. We get there that morning, don't hear shit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I look like a dumbass. This is <laughs> no, no, bad. It's, it's just him. He's, I was about to say, you're going to look like a dumbass. Look like a dumbass in front of me. Cause I, uh, he's just bad. He'll just blame it on his and we, we, I thought I heard a gobble way off. And Keen actually may have thought he heard it too. And I said, no, nah, we're going to sit here. I know these birds are coming here. We're, we're going to see it. And... The way that it the hunt worked out, it, it was we we're very lucky. Yeah, <laughs> to be yeah. honest, because um, those birds came. I mean, they they were five yards, six yards yeah. from us. Literally, I, when we saw, them. and they literally sneaked in, never gobbled, never nothing. And um, Keen did. He made a really good shot to kill the one that he killed um, with the twenty. With the with twenty. The 20? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you thank you for not shooting the second one. <laughs> I could have had a shot at the second one, but I could have. But my barrel was like eight inches from his ear, and I was like, "Hey, it was uh, a perfectly safe direction." But oh, it was safe. But what a it, sacrifice! It was, oh, yeah. My right ear drumming. That's my best ear. So yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a, I like what little bit I just, of ear and I got I, left I, in it. I pulled off. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna yeah. shoot. I mean, it's and, like duck hunting too. I mean, mm-hmm. like you jump up and. You know, they go off to your buddy's side, and he's shooting, and you kind of get over there, and you're like, oh. That's my biggest pet peeve, uh, speaking of duck hunting. Um, in fact, I honestly, I think I took your gun away. As a kid. As a kid. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. Shooting over people? Mm-hmm. Probably so, yeah. We had a, well, one of my friends, he's, of course, Keen's like eight foot tall, and this guy's like five foot, <laughs> if he's five foot. <laughs> Anyway, Keen shot over him once, and I gave him a verbal warning, and he did it again, and I was like, give me your gun. You're not shooting anymore, and Keen's like, I don't know, 
14, 15, 16 years old, whatever he was, and honestly thought I brought tears to his eyes. He he was pretty, but I think he learned a lesson. Well, that's yeah. all that matters, <laughs> of course. But I'm the same way now. Right, you yeah. know. It, I mean, it just you, you uh, has it to, happened to you? A hundred percent. Yeah, that shit mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. But but at the end of the day, from a, from a God standpoint, you have to know when to draw the line in the sand and say, nope, that's yep. it. Like, and it, I will it's the take most uncomfortable situation. It, it, I will definitely call me a horse's ass, whatever. But if you do something that's dangerous, you'll be sitting on the bench. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, it's, right. Like a, it's, it's part of it. There's a reason why these guys guys are going with guides mm-hmm. and and some of them are very versed in this stuff but you never know who you're going to get you know and somebody might claim to be the next phil robertson but at the end of the day they've been on half a dozen duck hunts in their life and shot a shotgun just as much mm-hmm. and next thing you know somebody's ear holing somebody and yep it's not it's not worth it at the end of the day none of it's worth it if i can't go home to my family, you know, there's right. no point. Honestly, I, I, I mean, I would think that it would cause a fight in the in the blind. No, know? it does. Well, Surprisingly, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, like, just I don't know if it's because you assert your dominance, whatever you want to call it. Um, but my whole goal is a number one. I got to get you out there and back safe. And if we kill, that's that's bonus. That's great. But if you do something dangerous, I'm probably going to call you out on it. Right, <laughs> of course. So, well, some I mean, and, and, and the, the issue that we walk, some of these guys that you're taking, they have never been called out for anything like this in their professional life. And so you're right. slapping and a grown man in his face. Right, it makes yeah, for a like very awkward You call him out on it and, you know, maybe the guy that got his bell rang in the blind do it too, like, Hey, don't do that. Well, you know, but it's it's a, you know, I mean, all these people that we take, most of or ninety nine percent of them are great guys. They yeah. really are. We do get the occasional, whatever yeah. you want to call it, um, but the way we look at it, or the way I look at it, and I'm trying to instill with all these guys is, you know, it's your blind. You're the one in charge. You're the one that's got to get them there, you know, point A to point B. The immaterial, the in-between stuff's going to take care of itself. We've got enough birds. We're, we're going to kill the ducks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the whole goal is getting there, there and back safe. And, right, of course. You know, if you do something dumb, <laughs> yeah, don't come hunt with me. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. One hundred percent. Which that uh, that teal hunt I went on this season with my buddy. It was just me and him. He's working the dog. We had a group come in, and when he called the shot, they were in the middle. They were working on his side, so I didn't get a shot until whenever I could get a shot. I was right over him, so I just kind of pulled back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You get anything?" I was like, "No, nah, dude. I was right over you by the time I was on him." I was like, "So, wasn't." We're gonna do you like that, but more power to you. I mean that that's the way. Right. I, I, I mean, honestly wish everybody. Was a lot of people right. don't have that mental. I mean, switch. like if if birds get away because I didn't feel comfortable making the shot, you know, shooting over somebody. Mm-hmm. Like it is what it is. I mean, 
we'll get more. Yeah. yeah, and that's the big deal. Everybody thinks, oh, guidance easy. It's it's it is what it is, but to get the birds to you know, if it's just us three going and hunting, we can get them in on either side. Whatever, we'll make it work. But when you got customers, you got to get everything like right there. Yeah, and call the shot a little bit early, depending do, on what bird it is. <laughs> you do have to call the shot early. Well, um, depending on people, your groups. Yeah. And some, that's a whole nother deal. Knowing who you're guiding, if you've guided them before, trying to remember that. But, but some of these guys, I, I've literally had clients in the past, they'll come, they'll draw down on a bird when you're calling at them. Mm-hmm. 80, 100 yards out, they're out of the blind, like, like they're pulling up on a deer and looking through a scope or something. Like, yeah, right. And they just get back in up. here. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Either way, it's it's just some of these guys don't have the experience. Some of these guys didn't grow up shooting like we do. Right. That was a normal thing. To be eight years old running around barefoot in a pasture shooting a shotgun, that was normal for mm-hmm. me. Some Absolutely. of those, some folks don't have that, didn't have that luxury. So you have to take that into consideration. But um, So going back to turkey hunting, you know this area has birds, right? So what, what are you doing start to finish? You're going drive to drive into an area knowing that it has a turkey. Mm-hmm. You're going to jump out of the truck, try to locate them on the roost, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you kind of, what's what's in Joe Petty's backpack? I spend an ungodly amount of time scouting. Okay. Uh, whether that be up on a big hill, looking with binoculars, I try to find every roost that I know. Um, the deal with Rio is they tend to roost in the same areas every night. So once I get them you know, there, I generally know where they're roosting. And what I tell my guys, you know, because I don't call for everybody. Mm-hmm. A lot of ours is just, you know, they want to do it on their own, and that's fine. They're paying for it. They can do it how they want. I tell them, look, they're roosting mm-hmm. here in these trees. You probably need to be over here. And whether they listen or not, I don't have any So you're basically dropping that. them on an island, mm-hmm. and, and most of these guys are pretty mm-hmm. self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Cool. But we deal with a bunch of – we hardly ever got anybody from Texas. All of ours are New York, Mississippi. You're dealing with guys scratching yeah. off that Rio They're on their trying to get list. that – you know, everybody wants a Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. So they need that Rio for the Grand Slam. And those are the guys that we deal with. Gotcha. Oh, they're they're pretty, pretty deep into it. They – most of them. I got and, you. And it's – but we run into – I had a group this year, not naming any names. Um, he's big-time biologist. You know, he knows he knows more about turkeys than I do. And they struggled for two days. And they have one last morning to go. And luckily, Chuck, the guy that I got with, he talked them into letting me take them. And, you know, they've been on these same birds for two days. Hadn't done it. Hadn't worked. And we we went in there, and we got three that morning. Damn. And it, it was it – was, uh, and even him, he, he told me, he said, look, he said, I would have never made the moves that you made. And I said, look, you know, you know the birds where you're at. I'm not going to tell somebody how to hunt Georgia birds because I, I don't hunt Georgia. <laughs> yeah. <right?"> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it – it was a, you know, it just worked. Yeah. And it, um, but yeah, they were very appreciative. Well, that's all that matters. At the end of the day, that's a guy's responsibility. 
That is. Just I mean, your, your whole deal is to, you're getting, yes, you're getting paid to take these people and everything, but you're also getting paid for your knowledge. And like I say, I spend a lot of time just strictly scouting. And y'all have tens of thousands of acres to cover. I really don't know the actual number. I know we've got, I don't know, it's around 60, 62 properties that we hunt. So I can show you on Onyx, it looks like spider webs with the number of properties that we have. All them properties, and I can't find one gosh damn airhead. <laughs> yeah, you suck at airheads. <laughs> hey, do you still have your bowl? Yeah, I've got my bowl in the back of my truck. <laughs> now, was this the same place last year where you couldn't even kill the camp turkey? No, he couldn't kill the camp, couldn't camp kill turkey. the camp turkey. Him and Breed. Neither one. Couldn't kill the camp bird. And I didn't get redemption on the camp bird this year, too. We tried. Mm -hmm. We threw a Hail Mary. Yeah, he didn't gobble, so we we didn't. The camp bird was such a easy deal, but I don't know. Yeah, well, it... uh, Him and Breeden struggle with the camp bird. I actually had to go meet a new landowner and go look at his property the day I left them with the camp bird. Yeah. I, I, I think work. we did everything right. I really do. No, that, you didn't. You we, didn't we, kill we, him. we came very close. <laughs> we, we extenuating circumstances. Did We're on wrong. like a right away. Birds coming to us, very very vocal. The whole way there, either crosses a river bottom or he was coming parallel to it. It's hard to tell, mm-hmm. but he's coming down a river. And when he breaks the clearing, he's ninety yards. And I'm thinking, we have this dude dead to rights. Just walk down the road. He starts walking down the road. And in between us and him, him a hen pops out. Mm-hmm. And when that hen popped out, he forgot all about us. It didn't matter what I said or what I did or what I, you know, how much I called it. He was going with that hen. So didn't have what he wanted. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> that was pretty funny, actually. Man. <laughs> I'll tell you that, and I'll, I'll incriminate myself here. One thing you might not know: that last day that we were at your place, that last night, we had a phenomenal steak dinner. No, that's a lie. We had a steak dinner the night before, the first night we got there. And for those of you that know me, there red meat does something to mine in my intestinal tract that I, ha- I have to be very careful <laughs> with, right? So this during the day, I never got hit with a pain. Well, we had a really good dinner that second night. It was fried fish, fried crappie that your uncle mm-hmm. brought. And French fry, homemade French fries, amazing. And I was laying in bed in a camper, and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I got woken up with a shit pain. <laughs> and I had to take off running in my underwear outside and find a tree because I didn't want to blow up the one little Keep bathroom. Keep in mind, the camper's got a bathroom in it. It does, but it just never crossed my mind. It's a little itty-bitty bathroom right there. I'm thinking, I don't want to destroy this little bathroom while Petty's sleeping. So I snuck out the door and took off running. <laughs> no I n- more. I never heard you wake up. Well, <laughs> rule of thumb. Keep a roll of toilet paper in your truck because I grabbed that sucker on the way there, run right past that old white F-250 and found a tree and went right back to bed after that. Man, you said you needed a a pair of underwear after that alligator. Sounds like you need one all the time. Yeah, I've got a problem. (laughs) But in my blind bag, you will always find something to wipe with. And if you don't, rest in peace to my sock or a piece of my underwear. Oh, man. Wet ones are the 
Yeah. That's that's the bomb. Yeah. The wet wipes? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I need to invest. You'll really learn do. soon <clears throat> enough. 100%. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, this is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, tune in next week for part two with Mr. Joe Petty. Check us out on our socials. Uh, follow us on our audio platforms. Rate and review the show. Give us a five star. If there is an option for a review, write us a little something sweet. Until next time, y'all be safe and happy hunting.